Good afternoon, everyone. It's Bobby Rocks here. I'm solo today, by the way. Remy is off, and hopefully he's back next week. But I didn't let that stop me. I wanted to still come on, and I just wanted to, I don't know, airing dirty laundry, ranting. Uh, I think ranting covers it better. Couple things. Uh, I realized that I did not charge any of my batteries for my camera. That is my fault. If you've seen that I've started to put up videos on YouTube, I've started to put up the full length, well, hopefully full length videos. Some of them are full length. Some of them, literally the cameras die when I'm recording. <laughs> so I put up a little thing. I found through, um, I use Adobe Elements, which is the basic uh, kind of video editing software you can use. And I use that to just kind of do some effects and kind of bring things together, really make them pizzazz, really make them stand out. Anyway, I found the movie scroller, so I started to put in memos in there to people who are watching those. If they're like, hey, where the fuck did the video go? And then it's there, oh, because Bobby fucked it up. He didn't charge. Well, today is no different. The downside of that today is that we're actually in the new recording space that we have. Before, my mom, lover, Betsy, fantastic, chef's kiss for a human being, she was letting us use her dining room. I liked it. I was able to treat the area and get a decent sound, but uh, she wanted it back. It's her dining room. I can't argue with that. Uh, on the plus side, she has allowed us to use her basement. And what really sucks about this episode today is that you can't see kind of what we've done in here. Uh, the backdrop that will be behind us, we still have our uh, canopy with our logo on it. You know, the really neon loveliness with the Xenial Odyssey podcast. But on top of that, it's got wood paneling on the back wall. Because let's be honest, for people our age, when we think of uh, basements or we think of family rooms or we think of our homes or our parents' homes, we think of wood paneling or brick paneling. I'm not done treating the area. I'm just, uh, I'm also using this as a dry run just to see what it sounds like. And this will be a video, um, video. This will be an audio episode. No worries about that. And um, yeah, we're just seeing what it sounds like. I can already hear, th there's little things I have to do here or there. It's no big deal. But anyway, that's not the main reason I really wanted to come on and rant or just kind of have one of those episodes where I just kind of wanted to just uh, have like a cathartic vent. So really, that's what we're going to do with this episode today. The Zenial Odyssey Podcast, where hosts Remy and Bobby Rocks explore life for people born in the late 70s and early 1980s. Each week, they embark on expeditions exploring their analog childhoods or interview guests about navigating adulthood in a digital world. Join them on another adventure to discover what it means to be a Zenial. Originally, so this week, I'll give everyone a little heads up, and by the time this episode comes out, the, this episode I'm going to talk about has already come out, and that episode is actually with another returning guest. We've had, a, we had Jason Cox. He was a returning guest. He came on. That episode's already live, and he discussed a spiritual journey that he went on uh, with a heroic dose of psychedelics, and that's a wonderful episode. People should go check that out. He has said that he'll come on again. Maybe if we're lucky, he will actually come on and we may 
have him in the middle of one of those spiritual journeys. And I'll leave it at that. And there will be video. It'll be fun for all. But we had another returning guest on, and his name is uh, Chris Flynn. He's our uh, friend and financial guru. And essentially what happened is he just couldn't schedule for scheduling purposes. He was going to be the first episode in the new recording space. It just didn't work out that way. So what happened is I picked up some of the studio. And by some, I mean I picked up the mixer board. I picked up the microphones and the boom arms. And I took those with the headphones to his home and the camera. And we recorded it in the office he has in his basement of his home. It's a very nice office. He uh, works from home for his company. He works all completely remote. Uh, him and his wife bought a new home. And that's what they were talking about on the first episode he was on over a year ago. And this was in the new home. And in the new home, he actually constructed his own office. He did a wonderful job. It's, not, it's just not appropriate for audio recordings or a podcast. And so that's just one thing that as I was editing that episode, I honestly had the thought of just saying, fuck this episode and just scrapping it. Cause it, I, the, and maybe that's because I'm OCD. Maybe that's just because I'm a perfectionist. Maybe it's just because I'm an asshole. I don't know. Maybe I was just having a bad week. It could be all of the above, to be completely honest with everybody. But that was really the moment where I said, fuck you, anybody. If you want to come on to our show, you can come to the studio. You can also call in. You could also Skype in. You could also, um, oh boy, I'm uh, Zoom in. You could also go to meetings in. We could do all these different things to have you in. And you will sound fantastic. You will. That's not the only thing that uh, really was on my nerves uh, over the last uh, week plus. Because we did, Remy and I actually did scrap an episode that we recorded. Full episode, there was video, it was multiple video. There's a reason for that. And I'll go into a little bit of that reason right now. Big reason for that is it was an episode where I went with Sherry Lynn Nicholas, my wife. We went out to Charlotte, North Carolina. She was competing in a bodybuilding competition called the Yorton Cup. It is a national competition for professional bodybuilders in a bodybuilding federation called the OCB. And she did not do very well. I had video of it. I take video so that she can review it and she can have takeaways from it. And after talking with that, and also when she disclosed to me that there was some things going on just with her coach, just disagreements, professional disagreements on the vision for her as a bodybuilder and kind of where that was going, she was so put off by the package she brought to the Yorton Cup that she actually terminated her services with her uh, coach. And uh, the, they were contracted up until uh, the end of November of this year. And she said, no, we're done. And uh, you can just refund me the money for the services you're not going to provide because you're fired. And then her and I had a conversation where she explained why she did all that, why she felt these ways. And in the episode that Remy and I did, I actually filmed video of what it was like for me when I go and accompany Sherry Lynn Nicholas to competitions that are away from home. So I did a lot of, it, it essentially boils down to vlogging. And I, I want to punch myself in the dick for saying that because I, I do, 
I have looked at vloggers and I just see it and I go, oh, what the fuck is that? And so I realized I'm doing that. Even if I'm doing that for one, an episode on my podcast, I still was like, oh, this fucking sucks. And there was some good stuff that came out of that. For example, when I go on these trips, there's a lot of time I have to myself. And the reason I have a lot of time to myself is because there's things that Sherry Lynn is doing or cannot do when she is in a competition. Number one, there is there are days she has to go to the gym. She has to continue working out. She has to continue to maintain the package that she is bringing to a competition. She also has to do lie detector tests and potentially drug tests because in the federation she's in, it's considered all natural. That means no performance-enhancing drugs. It is just whatever God has given you or whatever uh, ethereal being, omnipotent on present, being you believe in if it's not a God, whatever that higher power is. That, you know, that is what you can bring. Anything outside of that gets you disqualified. And they also test you after you leave the stage, if you finish in the top three. And the same applies. So she's doing all these things. And then on top of that, she has meal plans, which means I don't have meal plans, which means I get to go out to uh, places and I get to enjoy dinners, which is fine with me. But uh, with all of that, with all of those things taking up Sherry Lynn's time, it leaves me to either just sit there twiddling my thumbs or it leaves me with opportunities to go out into the community and just kind of see what things are like. The first time we really did something like that was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, was two years ago. And that's where she was competing as an amateur in the Yorton Cup. And she actually won and earned her professional status. So I got to do that in the city of Pittsburgh. And I can't, I can't sing Pittsburgh's praises enough. I think it's a sneaky good time city if you've never been there. People should go there. It's a, it's a good time city. And so I did that with Charlotte. So really, it was the Friday. We were out there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, came back Sunday. So on the Friday, I had just all the time in the world to kind of do whatever the fuck I wanted to do. What I did is I went to Uptown. Most cities call their center of their cities Midtown or Downtown. Charlotte cars at Uptown. It's the same thing. It's the center of the city. It's where everything happens. And it was really nice. And I took a lot of video of literally just traveling around the city walking around showing how it's got a lot of walkability in the downtown i went to the uh mint the mint is an art gallery in the downtown uh for art galleries of that caliber it was 15 dollars to get in that's uh, another one i'm giving the aok chef's kiss to that is that is amazing there's not many places you can go to experience historical art or fantastic art like i did of all kinds paintings sculptures uh, murals, collages, what have you. And uh, it also could get, get you access for the next two days. So that was another benefit. Where I come from, I mean, Massachusetts, I mean, $50, easy for something like what I experienced. I also went to this lovely place um, in the uptown called the Blue Rhino. It was kind of like a bodega. And I just went there. I thought I was going to get food, but they don't really have food. It's really like a package store, like for alcohol, like a liquor store who, that happens to have a working kind of cafe bar in it. And so I sat down there and it was, you know, it's LGBTQ friendly. It tends to attract that crowd. I, and that's not, it's not a problem for me. It's just when I walked in and everyone looked at me like, you know, bald, fat, middle-aged white guy and was like, 
I, I, you, you don't know anything about this place. Welcome, welcome, but you don't know anything about this place. And everyone was really, everyone was really nice, and the beers were really good. And um, the, if you work there, you're also a, a store clerk and you have to be a bartender. I, I, th- that's my takeaway. So that's a dual skill. And the two tender clerks that were working did a synchronized dance at one point. Uh, and it was all like to SWV and it was all 90s and 80s music. So I love the place. I can't. That's the Blue Rhino. It's in Uptown in Charlotte. People, if you're going to Charlotte, go visit it. It's a fantastic place. Very nice atmosphere. Very nice beers, and you can just go into one of the refrigerators and grab some beer to go. And there's plenty of places around if you want to get something to eat. But other than that, uh, the trip was uh, a dud. And on top of that, after talking to Sherry Lynn, and just she didn't ask me to just scrap the episode. She knew I was doing one. She didn't ask me to. She really just expressed her displeasure with how it went for her, the product she brought, and she, it was something she wanted to move on from and forget from. And so I just kind of read between lines whether they were there or not. And I said, then I will not do this uh, to her. Not just because she's my wife, but also just as a human being. I won't put something out there that she would, it would not be proud of. So I did talk to Rem, and we are going to redo that episode again. A little different because I actually inc- was incorporating the videos into it. And Remy was watching them on my phone. I had my phone Bluetooth hooked into the mixer. And he was just asking me questions about what he was seeing. And then on top of that, uh, one thing I forgot to mention besides the Blue Rhino. I did not mention the Blue Rhino on the last episode. That's my fault. Because that was uh, a highlight of the trip to Charlotte. I also forgot to mention that when we were leaving at the airport, we passed Pauly Shore. And I did mention that on an episode that we did since, that Remy and I did have done since then. But it was really in passing, and I wanted to verify. I'm like, there was, was that Pauly Shore? So I actually looked up, and because he's, he's a, still a working comedian, and he still does tours around the country. And he actually, yeah, it was him, because he was in the Charlotte area, and then he had a show right over the border in South Carolina. And so, yeah, it was him. And um, while he was not in the character of the weasel, if anyone who knows of Pauly Shore knows that one of his, basically his alter ego, which made him famous, was the weasel. Uh, he still talks in that voice. Uh, he was, he, he, what he really looked like, to be fair, is he kind of reminded me of when Johnny Depp was playing basically Gonzo, Dr. Gonzo, or Hunter S., from Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Like he really, he was wearing like that fisherman's hat. And he was wearing those really big sunglasses that were different color. Yeah, it was, it was, he's a character. He's a character, and uh, that was pretty cool. And I think I gave a shout-out on something that – I know I did it on Twitter, but I gave a shout-out to something because he, uh, he's trying to do a biopic for uh, – he wants to play Richard Simmons. He wants to do a biopic on the life of Richard Simmons. And I've followed this, and he's actually been in contact with Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons, over the last, like, 15 years, 20 years, has become a recluse. And for anyone who doesn't know, again – uh, Zennials near and dear to our hearts. Many of our moms must have at some point been sweating to the oldies of Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons with his candy cane shorts that really were really, really, really were like what boxers are today with his fro and his energy. And uh, I, th- I think Richard Simmons is a joy beyond the fact that he, he was, uh, a, he did do exercising and, I, and he did want to make people have better lives. I don't want to just minimize what he did. He, what he did was, was really good. And I think that's another reason why 
Pauly Shore wants to do a biopic about him, not just because he does resemble him, but also because and it's Richard Simmons. Nobody's talking about Richard Simmons. All right, so I've gotten out of the way my anger with the Chris Flynn episode and how it sounds. I've gotten out of the way the uh, fiasco that ended up just turning into Charlotte's North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina trip. Not Charlotte itself, but Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, I don't know, I just had a thought. So if anybody who's listening who is not from the Northeast or New England or from Massachusetts, this uh, summer and this fall, it's fucking sucked for weather. Like, we're in the we're in the fall now. It's October. It's early October. It's a Saturday, and it's raining again. This is like the fifteenth Saturday out of the last eighteen Saturdays that it has rained. It's just been fucking miserable. Uh, so maybe that has a, a little bit to a little bit to do with why I feel the way I feel. Um, I wouldn't say I'm down. I'm more tired. Uh, I think that has to do a lot with kind of how the weather's been around here. Beyond that, I had a thought about um, my childhood best friend, and I have mentioned him a couple times on the show in passing, but I've never really dedicated time to him. And I've been thinking about him a lot recently. And it makes sense to me to kind of bring it up and talk about it now because in two weeks, so today is October 7th, so roughly two and a half weeks from today would have been his 40th birthday. And uh, as you can tell, because I'm speaking in past tense, it would have been because he uh, passed away in December of 2020. And he was 37. He had just turned 37. And... I don't think my story, when it comes to this part of it, related to him, my childhood best friend. I don't think it's unique to me. I think this could be the story of a lot of people with friends from your childhood and your young adulthood, is that besides my father's funeral service, which was the year, uh, oh, pretty much a year before, a year and a half before my friend uh, died, I had not spoken to him or seen him in a decade. And besides just, and when I saw him at my father's funeral, it was more of a, he was in a line of people. It was a quick hug and let's chat. We'll catch up. And I said, sure. It was an exchanging of a pleasantry. And then unfortunately we never got that chance because he passed away during a pandemic, a year and a half, later so yeah that's something that has weighed on my mind because even though I had not spoken to him since we were in our mid late 20s it doesn't take away 
what he meant to the first roughly 25 years of my life and what his family meant and what they still mean. Because I would say, again, this is something that is unique to Gen X and early millennials and maybe even just millennials in general, is that that was really extended family. And I'll go into what I mean by that momentarily. I could walk into their house. I could not, I would knock, but I could just walk in. I could say hi, say hi to everybody. Go find my friend, go do whatever. That's something that doesn't exist anymore. In fact, I had a conversation, and it was about a year ago, with my sister, where my sister was telling me that when my nephew's friends would come to pick him up, or if they were just going to hang out or anything, or if she were dropping off, or she was picking up one of his friends with him, they just text each other. They don't go in to say hi to anybody. They don't go in and just hang out for a little bit. It's just, we're here, come out. And I want to be fair and say that, guess what? Like, as an adult, I do that too. There's times where if I'm picking Remy up for the episode, that I'm like texting on my phone. Here, I'm not going in. I'm not saying hi. I'm not saying hi to his cats. I'm not saying hi to, you know, roommates or anything like that. But when I was, I mean, whoo, from the ages of like eight or nine up until, I mean, into my adulthood with my childhood best friend and my, and their family, which they made me feel like an extension of the family. It was a, especially if they hadn't seen me in a while, it was a, Hey, how's it going? Let's catch up. What's going on with you. Oh, glad to see you're here. Glad to see you're still, you know, kicking around. What is school? Like, what is going on with this? Why do you have any relationships? Do you have a girlfriend? Are you married? Things like that. Things like that, that, um, just, I get the sense that we, that's one thing socially that um, current generations have lost. But on top of that is something that we are losing as we get older, or maybe we don't do anymore. Because another thing I used to do is if even if my friend was home or not, I could still go over there and I could talk with his parents. And there were times where I was a teenager where I would go to talk to his parents about stuff that I didn't feel comfortable talking to my parents about. And these are things that are different. And these are things, by the way, that... When I got the news that my childhood best friend had passed away, these are thoughts that come through my head on top of other thoughts. Um, so the latter half of this episode, and it's not grinding gears, it's just, again, kind of stream of consciousness where I'm at right now and what things that I'm thinking about is I want to just dedicate that to um, my childhood best friend. And his name, and I'll say his name, was Josh Goulston. He lived... He's always lived down the street from me or from my parents. We grew up in the same town. We didn't, no one moved in, no moved out. And like many, many a child, we met each other on the school bus when we were in kindergarten and we headed off and we went from there and we had a great time and we would call on a Rolodex phone, call each other as five, six-year-olds, just check, uh, checking in on each other, seeing if we wanted to hang out, riding bikes from one house to the other, shock of all shocks. And it was like two and a half miles that way. I don't even know if kids do that today. I don't know if they're allowed to do that today, to be honest with you. Uh, but I digress. Um, you know, his father would pick me for baseball teams. So we really had that connection. We really liked wrestling. And when he, he was always unique. He had a unique way on life. He had a unique perspective, unique sense of humor. 
uh, he always was one of those people that liked to gather people together. He was like a galvanizing person. And, and a lot of people I met who I never would have met because, our person, because of our personalities, because of the social groups we hung out with, we all had one common denominator, and that was my friend Josh. He was, he was special. He was so special that uh, as I started to transition away for a lot of reasons, I was going to school. I started getting jobs where I could apply the skills I was getting in school, and that took me to other parts of the state, and I actually moved away. And not that I moved far away, but I moved far enough away where I had to think twice about, do I want to drive 40 minutes to go hang out with someone? These are the kind of thoughts I had. Also, I was getting older. But he started to, he became really good friends with my brother. And I still, we still hung out and I still that, but then there was a transition to that. And then he was that person for my brother. So this is someone who is essentially through me, my brother and I and our parents, both his and my parents, are so connected for people who are not related by blood that even though I had not seen this person in 10 years, beyond the fact that I saw them very quickly at my father's funeral service, hearing of their death was something that was painful. And that is a conversation I actually had with my wife who only met him once, and that was at the funeral service. And she actually asked me, like, but this is someone who you outgrew, and this is somebody who you haven't seen in a while. Why are you so sad about it? And I politely just told her, because it doesn't take away the first 25 to 30 years of my life where they were a big fixture in that. I said, the way I am, parts of who I am are because of him and his family and their influence on me. And that's fact, not opinion. It's fact. Reasons my sense of humor is the way it is is partially because of him and his family and my family, but it's a mixture of that. Those are things that just did not exist and would not, I would not be the person I am without him and his family. And um, he was just, he, he was a light. He was a beacon. He was a beacon. He was, he was kind. He could be abrasive, but, he, but ultimately and genuinely, he was a kind person. And he was thoughtful. He was insightful. He was poetic. He saw the world in a way that other people didn't. And he would share that with you without getting into an argument. He would just share it because he was very carefree and just like, who cares if we're right and wrong? Let's just have a good time and get fucked up. And speaking of fucked up, that's really why we started to um, just go different ways. Because probably when I was getting my mid-20s, I got to a point where getting fucked up on alcohol or on drugs or just whatever we would do as suburban kids and young adults because there was nothing else to do. It just got old when it was every single day or every single weekend. And, you know, from the ages of 17, 16, 17, up until like 25, 26, it's the same thing. And it just wasn't meeting my needs anymore. And up, and up around the time I got into my mid-late 20s, that's when I started working with Remy, and that's when Remy and I really started to um, get to know one another and hang out. And in my late 20s and early 30s, that's when we were doing the uh, episode, the, the radio show with Pat. And what was great about that is because that was fun in a similar way 
that I would have fun with my brother and my friend Josh and, and all of our friends. But we didn't have to get fucked up. And that's what I liked as I got older. We were, we, it was giving me similar feelings, but I didn't have to be fucked up. And that's really when we started to drift apart. And I knew that it bothered my friend Josh. Um, but we, we did have conversations about it when I would see him. Because the, the times between seeing him would go longer and longer and longer. And there was a friend who had been away uh, for a while. And he was coming back. And he said, oh, I'm going to meet up at, um, at so-and-so's house. And when I got there. You know, my friend, he literally said, what the fuck are you doing here? And he said, and said it in a way where he was like busting, busting chops. Even though sometimes he did that, he would immediately laugh and then say, I'm just fucking with you. He didn't do that this time. And we had a conversation just about like, if you're upset about what I'm doing, I get that. That's fine. That's fine. But just let me like, let's talk about it instead of just being assholes to each other. Making it awkward for other people who wanted both of us to be here. But yeah, I still got updates about him from my brother, Tim. And he would just tell me what's going on. I know at one point he was uh, interested in culinary arts and he was going to school for it. And him and his sister, and I believe the parents helped out too, they actually opened up a restaurant, a tiny little restaurant in a convenience store. And I believe it was called My Brothers and I. And there they did, you know, traditional food. And uh, it, it had moments where it was very busy and popular and had moments where it wasn't. And ultimately, he, uh, I think he ended up selling it. And then he used his culinary skills to go work at other uh, restaurants, very popular and large restaurants in the area. And I, uh, I remember, you know, my brother filling me in on those things. And he would say that every now and then he'd say, hey, you know, tell Bob I said hi. You know, tell him I miss him. And I'd say thanks. And sometimes I would reach out. And I guess he had uh, lost his phone number or he had lost his phone or whatever because he had changed numbers a lot. And one time I reached out, he he just he didn't know who I was. So I told him who he was. And he goes, oh, yeah, I got a new phone. And so it's things like that would happen every now and then. And then as I moved on, <clears throat> again, we're just moving on. And, and I would ch- ask my brother, is he, you know, he's living that life. He goes, yeah. And I'm like, all right, I don't hold it against him. He's living his life. It's his choices. It's fine. Um, my choices, my life choices are mine. And we, we just don't align together. And that's okay. I'm glad he's doing okay. And um, I remember I found out through Facebook from a mutual friend, his name, Luke Julius. I found out through Luke Julius because he reached out to me. Uh, on Facebook Messenger, and just kind of gave me the heads up. Hey, did you hear that uh, Josh passed away? Uh, kind of sucks. And, he, and we were just started sharing, like, yeah, I remember this, I remember that. And uh, and I was like, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it didn't hit me right away, because there was a thought, and I, and I know it, it may make me sound like an asshole, but he's not, my, my friend Josh isn't the only person I've had thoughts like this about. For me, that, uh, message I got through Facebook or if it was a phone call. It wasn't a matter of if it was going to happen. It was a matter of when. And I know that sounds terrible. Um, but you're still never ready for it. You're not. 
doesn't matter if you even told yourself this is probably what's gonna how things are gonna play out but then when they do it still fucking sucks it does and then i just a lot of um collateral contacting through mutual friends and people just to find out and then my brother hadn't seen it and i had to let my brother know and um yeah and then i i started uh actually I don't know if I went to go visit my mom or my mom just shared old photos of us that she had in photo albums and just reminiscing over uh, the really great times that we had and uh, remembering. And that's one thing I'm very happy about is I'm still at a point where I can remember not just the memories. I can remember how I felt in those moments. I can remember that. There are some things as I've gotten older, it's not that easy. There are some things that just the present, how I feel in the here and the now ends up implanting or attempting to implant itself on core memories I have from long ago. But there are times where I can catch that. And then there's other times like what I'm talking about now, where it's just, I remember certain things. There's a picture. It's from 30 years ago. And it's of me holding his cousin. His cousin was a newborn. We were like 12, 13 years old. And I can tell you that was the 4th of July weekend of 1996. And my parents had gone away. And they asked me if I wanted to go with them. I didn't want to go. Probably because that was the onset of my moodiness and my adolescence and my depression. But for whatever reason, I just didn't want to go. I saw it as an opportunity to kind of be alone to myself. And they reached out to my friend Josh's parents and family and just said, hey, is it all right if he kind of hangs out with you guys or stays with you? And then they kind of impressed it to me like, well, maybe you could, if you want to ask them. Um, but I remember that was that weekend, and we were hanging out in his grandparents' um, sun porch on the back of their house. And we were just, ha it was cooking out and eating, and then later we went to fireworks, and then there was a fire, and we made s'mores. Like, these are the things I remember. And that actually, while there were times where I still wanted to be alone in that moment, I look back on that photo, and I see the look on my face of like, how the fuck do I hold an infant? <laughs> and I, and you just see the sly look of uh, Josh on his face, like this fucking idiot doesn't know how to hold a kid, even though we're like kids ourselves. But I remember all those things, and I remember how I felt in those moments, and that is important to me. And what was important to me was even though I felt those ways, and he was somebody I felt comfortable sharing some of my feelings with. He didn't hold. He didn't. He didn't say, "Oh, that's not being a guy. That's not." That. He he listened, and he was supportive. And I don't know where I would be in my life if I would be here at all, if I didn't have someone like him to do that for me. And I know without, even though I know, I know without having my brother on here, I know he did the similar things like that for my brother as he got older, because that's what, who he was too. He was, again, I can't hit this enough, regardless of our lives went in different paths, regardless of uh, life choices that can lead to certain things, it doesn't change at people in their heart of hearts if you're a good person or not. And he was. And on that note, because one thing ultimately my brother and I came to, because it, it's sad. And I, I, I know because I've been there, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there a lot in my life, is that, you know, that positivity and that greatness and that empathy that someone like that can give to other people, that person that can uplift other people and make them feel like their best person, and how they can make you feel love, and they can make you feel positivity that you can't make yourself feel. It just, it's unfortunate that he couldn't turn that 
back onto himself. It's, it's unfortunate that he didn't feel the same way about himself that, or didn't follow the, the advice that he gave people. And that's not unique to him. I've been there. That's me. I've done that. I've given people great advice, but I don't take that advice. Um, at times, you know, I've loved other people more than I've loved myself. And I'm working on it. It's something I'm aware of. It's something I stare at every day when I look in a mirror. I sometimes ask myself, you know, I wonder if he ever did that. And, and, and there are those times where I do have that guilt feel. Like, maybe if I did this, or maybe if I had reached out. But it's not a burden that I should have to carry when it comes to that. That's, that's true. As far as, again, going back to life choices. And again, uh, just something that popped in my mind, uh, which is interesting. I think definitely the change in our weather patterns <clears throat> had a shitload to do with it because um, this is my favorite time of year. This is my favorite time of year. We get to, we could just watch Halloween and horror movies all fucking day. We could go to Salem. We could go to haunted houses. I don't care how old you are. Haunted houses are the shit. Salem's the shit. I'll fight you on it if you disagree with me. That's fine. And uh, with all of the streaming services that are available now, again, something for people our age and people younger than us, we have endless amounts of both good scary movies and terrible scary movies. And I especially love the scary, the shitty scary movies, because that's actually what my friend Josh and I would do every Friday night. Every Friday night, we would just take turns staying over each other's houses. And every Friday night at 11 p.m. on USA, we would watch Up All Night with Ron DeShear. And listen, you want to talk about C and D-rated horror movies or, or thrillers? USA Up All Night was that. And that was great because that, those were shared interests we had. And these are, these, again, these are other things sometimes I think about when I'm watching you know, the most terrible 80s, and listen, in the 1980s, the 1980s could just take the cake on B-rated, C-rated, D-rated horror movies. And if my friend Josh were still here, uh, he'd be still watching them with me. But that said, I do want to bring it back to something that uh, we talked about on the episode, the last episode that Jason Cox was on. And he talked about how even though physical form here, his father passed away when he was 13 years old, and he still is working his way through that as an adult. But he, he said to me, because the unfortunateness for Remy, Jason, and I is that when all of our fathers have passed away. But what Jason said is that he hasn't left you. And we talked about, and I talked about, how this times I still feel him. I feel his presence. It could be in my car. It could be listening to music. It could be a, a multitude of reasons why I, I still feel my dad. But the truth is, I still feel my friend Josh when I'm doing things like watching a uh, class of Newcomb High or any trauma movie, The Toxic Avenger, or uh, just uh, look those up for anybody if you don't know what I'm talking about, and I hope you do. If you're my age, you should. You should know what uh, awesomely bad movies are. And we would just sit there and just, oh, you know. So when I heard the news or when people asked me about him, essentially everything I just talked about just came flooding back, as it is now. And... I figured I wanted to do an episode today while I had some time to myself uh, to kind of just focus on 
him because he's somebody who was very unique. He was very special to my life. doesn't matter that as we got older, we drifted apart. It doesn't take away the past. And I know that anybody listening, this is, I hope there's at least one person in your life that is as unique and special as Josh was to me and to my family and hopefully the way I am to their family. And so uh, raising an imaginary glass to Josh, you know, for a, um, in remembrance, roughly on what would be your 40th birthday. And just know that I'm still thinking about you, still love you. And sometimes when I'm doing some of these episodes, wish you were around so you could at least come on and you could show that light to the people that do, uh, you know, check out the episodes and pay attention. But other than that, because much like one thing that Remy and I talk about off the air that I think we should share more on when we're on the air is that this is very, when we do this, it's very uh, cathartic for us. It's very beneficial. It makes, makes, uh, makes me feel good. Like, ooh, I needed to get that out. Wow. And it's something that's one reason when we get together for the podcast, we look forward to it. And I think an episode like this, it, it's about more than just zennials or people of a certain age. I, I would like to hope that what I talked about, uh, I mean, beyond the Charlotte stuff and the um, soundproofing issues, went through with Chris's episode. The stuff I talked about with my friend Josh is similar as people have, have experiences like that, or they have somebody like that. And uh, that's something that can be a talking point. And so on that note, I mean, people reach out to me on the socials, whether it's a story you want to share, or if it's uh, just saying, yeah, I'm with you, or that was a great episode. Uh, and then we can just kind of have that communal moment, whether you come on here or not, because I always want this to be open to anybody to come on. Um, but for today, I'm going to go back out and brave the rain and just, uh, you know, keep on keeping on. But happy early, belated, and remembrance birthday, Josh. Love you, brother. Hope you're up there with my dad and everybody that we knew and Steve Hayward just having the best of times. And, uh, you know, maybe on the wind, maybe one day the wind will catch me and I'll get to hear that wheezing laugh you had, which still brings a smile to my face. But for everyone else, and until next time, take care, everybody.